Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Today, I'm delighted to continue my exploration of transformation by speaking to one of the leaders in the country on transformation and strategic change. Um, I've got Paul Cracknell today, who is the Executive Director of Strategy and Transformation and has been since April 2021 at Norfolk County Council. Paul's career, he was a C-suite executive in the NHS until before making the transition into local government and now works for one of the largest county councils in the UK. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us, Paul. I know how busy you are. Yeah, thank, thanks, Matthew. Great, great to be here. So for those at home, what does a strategic di- or executive director of strategy and transformation do? <laughs> great question. <laughs> Justify my existence live. Go. Um, so as an executive uh, director in uh, a county council local authority, so the language you use, that kind of C-suite, so I'm technically what's called a chief officer. So that means I'm one of the senior leaders uh, in the organisation. Now, clearly in uh, local authorities are different to my NHS experience, you know, the role of politicians around making what you'd call for formal executive decisions around, uh, you know, with their democratic mandate and sort of within the standing order. So they make the, in that sense, the direction, but actually the officers, our role, if you like, is to to run, guide an organisation to deliver the the kind of political mandates that, that exist at a given time. But also, of course, it's the organisations that are that sense of I guess, presence through time and electoral cycle. So our job is to keep, in some respects, Norfolk on the road and and keep calibrating and responding to to political mandates as they happen over time. And my personal role, what I'm responsible for, if you like, the the bits within my my portfolio, so strategy, design, planning. Um, I've got HR within my portfolio, digital uh, communications, insights and analytics. So what you, you might call those sort of uh, kind of central or, or corporate functions and given the role of Norfolk County Council as an upper tier authority if you like when we talk about strategy yes it's strategy for the organisation but in many respects it's how you might convene and coordinate strategy in the best interests of the place. That's really interesting I think one of the, the beautiful well, Norfolk firstly is a beautiful part of the country You've obviously got many different um, areas of the community that you you serve and you look mm. after. What are the main areas of transformation of focus that the council is really prioritising or working towards at the moment? Yeah, so so I guess in terms of that that sense of external trans, transformation, is you know, I mean Norfolk's a very varied uh, county, kind of predominantly three main urban centres over a very large geographical area. So people talk about Norfolk often as London, Southampton without the motorway. So you've got Kings Lynn in the west, Great Yarmouth in the east, and, and Norwich is the, the kind of county city, if you like, and then a, a network of market towns and space in between. So it's a very, very dispersed um, uh, county. And I guess that starts to allude to some of the big strategic challenges. So firstly, in the context of infrastructure, and infrastructure in the widest sense of the word. So that could be anything from how we, you know, extend, you know, good quality uh, uh, kind of broadband to uh, kind of r- rural areas of the county. 
It could be uh, infrastructure in the sense of one of our challenges is how we can influence um, uh, kind of access to power in the county. So power and how that would support growth of either housing or, or industry, because we we have a huge amount of offshore wind and offshore energy and alternative energy sources in Norfolk. One of our challenges is a lot of it goes through Norfolk rather than stays in Norfolk. So we have opportunities for development that are are limited because of because of that. So infrastructure is a is an area that we would have as focus. Um, for us as well, we uh, Norfolk is a positive contributor to the economy, but our our wages and uh, kind of attainment levels are typically below national averages. So for us, that economic development is a key part of the activity of the the county council and um, increasing skills and, and opportunities and hence as part of that we're exploring in Norfolk a, a county deal so part of English devolution and uh, obviously that will be subject to you know political decision eventually but exploring what that might look like to have more control over things like adult education budgets or obviously um, integrating things like the local enterprise partnership um, the, the LEP into us as well. So some of those kind of big infrastructure projects, roads, things like that. But of course, some of the internal transformation has an external outcome as well. So as a upper tier authority, we provide social care. So some of our innovations in those areas will be how we might use um, kind of AI to identify people who are at risk of falls. And that enables us to um, kind of make sure we've got the right services in the right place. But it also is good for residents because if they don't fall, <laughs> they don't get into necessarily care or costs for us or costs for the NHS. So there's often a link between internal and external transformation in terms of benefits for the for the population as well as benefits for the for the organisation, if you like. I mean, you just don't want to go back to that care piece you just talked about there. Mm. I mean, coming from the NHS, how how similar and how different mm. has that journey been for yourself? You know, having landed from mm. what I can imagine would be a very challenging role within the NHS leading organisations. Yeah. Is it different or is it the same challenges under a different kind of uh, government banner that exists in the councils, you know, particularly around the care the piece? I think it's a bit of both if I'm if, if I'm honest Matt I mean that the, there are similarities in the sense of if you like the values or motivations of the organization the people within them you know that that sense of public sector public service values people are in our industries because typically they want to make a difference to the communities that they that they serve and there's that sense of if you like a vocational motivation so that's clearly in common across both um any organisation, I think, to a degree, public sector, even private sector, has the same kind of challenges around, you know, how do I find efficiency? How do I make sure I'm doing uh, things to the best outcome or best impact to either my customer or service users or population? Um, how do I therefore manage um, demand, expectations, funding envelopes, new technologies? You know, those problems are kind of common to different organisations and different settings. I think where the big differences between the NHS and local government for me have been is, to, is politics with a big and a little p. And, and I thought I understood local government from the outside and I, I very much didn't. <laughs> I, just, I think something around the scale and the scale of local government, whatever tier it is, actually touches people's lives in so many different different ways it's it's very complicated but then that local political dimension the NHS 
leans a bit more central politics, if you like, in terms of the kind of NHS England and uh, Secretary of State, whereas, of course, this is local politicians reacting to their local political antennae, political pressures, serving their constituents. And that creates a very, I think, very different dynamic to to change, to efficiency, to just managing the dynamics of uh, of organisations, really. So with that point there, with that, and, and we're, we're talking about transformation, the complexity of politics and of the variety mm. of services, how do you make transformation a success with mm. those factors considered? Yeah, and I, and I think, again, without making it, you know, I think there's a real tendency to make um, sort of transformation a slight join up the dots, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that, and then it works. You know, it's never quite so... Um, kind of mechanical is it really in in any organization so I guess that's the, the first thing I you know I'm conscious of any answer would make it sound like it's just easy as long as you do these magic steps um but I think you know particularly in a political environment or a big environment or a dispersed environment you, you know there is something about hearts and minds that you can't get away from if you if you don't bring people with you change doesn't stick because people People want to revert back to what they had previously or you know, change is difficult for many people, etc. So I think there is that sense of emotional um, connection that's important, particularly, um, you know, I think if if you're a, a politician making political decisions, you're always viewing it through the lens of a political cycle as well. And, and, and so that sense of appetite becomes um, ha has a different lens, I think, uh, on making transformation happen. Uh, perhaps less, you know, less in the the NHS in that sense. Um, but I think I, I think in re in reality, you know, good transformation comes from a, a reason for doing it, a sense of purpose. That's the hearts and minds, and makes makes things better for people, whoever that is, staff or residents or users. To make it stick, you need to do it in a way that's sensible and structured and controlled enough but done with a lightness that you can be reactive and agile and nimble and then I think you know one of my lessons around transformation is people often finish if you like probably earlier than they need to and actually what I mean by that is you think you've done the things you need to but has it had the impact that you wanted it to have as opposed to just completing the tasks and I think that focus on kind of benefits and impact and making sure benefits happen, stick and keep growing. You know, I think that's the bit often we we, we forget when it comes to change and transformation. Now, and a part of the podcast is to shine a light on the careers and the opportunities that exist mm. within local government. I yeah. mean, for yourself as, you know, as a, a recent convert to local government, yeah. you know, to those people at different levels of seniority, you know, what would you say about the experience you've had making that transition? Is it something that you'd recommend? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I um, I joined Norfolk County Council sort of in the tail end of the the pandemic. I'd been leading um, the kind of COVID response for the uh, NHS Trust. I was uh, kind of deputy chief exec of before I moved, and I wasn't particularly looking to move into local government, but I. I saw the opportunity in my local county council and I thought what an opportunity to to make a, a difference to uh, uh, to where I where I lived at the time and um, 
now I'm now I'm in local government actually just discovered there's so much more there actually you know whether it be local government as a sector or you know central government so I think it just opens up and you know a whole array of uh, of opportunities and I, and I think I think there's always an advantage of moving sectors it's something I've done I joined the NHS through a scheme to bring in people from outside the NHS within the NHS I worked in different kind of sectors within the NHS if you if you like and I've always cultivated in myself that sense of bringing the best from different places and trying to think differently and bring those different perspectives and so I think there's a real value of bringing in people from other from other sectors so I would encourage people to do that because you always bring something unique and if you then return for want of a better word, you then take a unique experience back with you as well. So, um, you know, I, I personally have, have found the transitions relatively easy and certainly I think I've benefited personally and I would hope organisations have benefited from my experience as well. In terms of uh, coming in with that quite almost a unique lens, having worked for the NHS, coming mm. into a local governing environment where sometimes people will stay there for their entire career, looking at kind of a more uh, kind of a more national picture, what do you think are the main challenges that we are facing as a local government sector at the moment? And I think there's no surprise that that funding is going to be there. I think anywhere in the public sector at, at the moment, um, you know, certainly if I think about you know what's filling my time at the moment, we're in the process of beginning our budget setting for for the next financial year. Um, we're you know, in in good financial health as a as an organisation, but it's getting increasingly harder to find those those efficiencies that you, that you need to need to find year on year, and you know, particularly in places like Norfolk, a large rural uh, economy. You know, there's costs in in providing services over a large area. We have a um, a population that's aging faster than many other places in the country so that creates pressures on uh, you know things like social social care as well i mentioned things like uh, you know infrastructure infrastructure projects are challenging in the context of inflation um so so i think funding generally for the sector is a is a real a real challenge and you know if i talk to my sort of directors of finance section 151 officers the people responsible for that you know the the sense of predictable settlement or the nature of government settlement is really important. The political challenges around council tax levels to a population are really difficult. So I think all all that is in in there. And I suppose one of my reflections compared to the NHS, or, um, or if I look at that, I remember in the early days of um, some of the financial challenges there in the NHS, you know, it was viewed as organisations were failing if they you know, weren't able to maintain their financial balance. But then quite quickly it got to, I, th- I can't remember one start I read, I think it was about sort of 80% plus of the provider sector in the NHS was in some financial deficit. You know, that starts to lead to elements of system challenge. And I, and I wonder if, you know, there are some of the practical pressures that we're going to see as a sector over time. You know, I think you're increasingly seeing councils that have been in a relatively good position starting to raise the flag of in the next year two years we're going to be in trouble and and I think that that's going to be a real challenge at a national level for 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 local government around funding um and then I think as well you know in the context of post 
um, kind of pandemic. You know, we've got the sector, there's skills challenges, the nature of the employment market, I think, is beginning to to change as well. I think that brings some some challenges. Skills is always going to be a challenge for, for, for sectors like ours, which is so diverse, ranging from really specialist skills, you know, public health or whatever it might be, right the way through to social workers dealing with you know children in critical circumstances you know there's really important skills that we need to make sure particularly in geographically isolated areas like ours that we, that we make sure we re, re, retain we grow um and that and that potential um as well um and then of course we have a cyclical nature as well we know we're about to bump into you know electoral cycles general elections local elections there's always a a, a potential for, for for change there that brings opportunity and challenge of course as well it's really interesting we i, I spoke with alison north who's a deputy chief exec who led the transformation of somerset western taunton mm. and she was talking about transformation and then you know how you drive in with investment and that skill yeah. making sure that when you're talking to potential employers and and working with the education system to ensure that there are the skills there for employers to come and therefore that kind of that, that kind of uh, almost energy momentum that comes with transformation mm. of, a, of a region and in terms of bringing skilled jobs and that starts within the education space and you've got to kind of lay that foundational of the societal skills that a, an employer can kind of latch onto and utilize because there's no point you know bringing a large organization or a large exploring norfolk if there aren't the skills there and I, I think it sounds like you guys are doing some absolutely amazing things around transformation there so it's it sounds very yeah, positive I, I mean, I think momentum is a really good insight. You know, I think there is momentum. You know, when you build momentum, that's a, that's a good thing in any type of change, isn't it? I, I, I'd agree with that. And I think certainly some of the things that we, you know, look at in, in Norfolk is what are the distinct opportunities we have and how can you bring sectors together around that? You know, whether it be offshore energy uh, as a sector, whether it be, you know, agri-tech and innovation there and kind of food research. You know, we've got some really innovative industries and uh, and sectors really that if we can keep accelerating skills and facilities around it there's no reason why companies shouldn't want to invest in in, in norfolk really but if you're listening at home and you've got money and companies to move move to norfolk <laughs> we're saying now and my Great last question country. <laughs> um why is local government important Local government's important because pretty much everything we do bumps into local government in one way or, or another, you know, whether it be the street lighting in our, uh, you know, as we leave our front door, whether it be um, uh, contributions to potentially education of our, our children or care for our uh, uh, elderly, um, maintaining the roads that we drive on to get from place to place, you know, local government bumps into every area of our our lives and that's before you get into the value and importance of kind of local democracy and communities being empowered to um, make a difference to the world around them so i think for me local government uh, is just important because it, it it is so far reaching and it impacts us uh, in so many ways for for good or for bad and therefore what's motivating for me why am i in local government is i get to make a difference in all those in all those areas well, Paul, I just want to say thank you so much for myself and the listeners at home, because that was mm. really, really interesting and a really great insight to the great work that you and your team at Norfolk are doing. And um, I'm really excited to see kind of the outcomes over the next couple of years as, as to what you deliver. Uh, but thank you for your time. Great. My pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Great to talk to you. Well, that's it for us, guys. Stay safe and I look forward to speaking with you soon.
The Truth About Local Government podcast is proud to endorse SUSO, a charity set up to support people from disadvantaged and diverse backgrounds finding roles in entry-level positions within local government legal services. If you are interested in supporting this course, please find details in the link below. SUSO. Stand up. Speak out.